The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Doomsday's been a deck forever. Debatable. Whether it was good or bad, <laughs> it's been around for a long time. Yeah. I'm going to just make a 10-10 lifelink trample unblockable and just beat face. Hexproof. Don't forget hexproof. Yes. For, you know, the length that Chatterstorm was legal, elves wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Plain Soccer's podcast, and we're here to talk magic. How are you doing today, Matt? Good enough. How are you? Doing pretty good. We uh, we put off starting the recording. We got into like a lot of heated debates, and at one point, we, like we have to start recording. We're just giving up so much amazing material, and now we'll start recording and have nothing to talk about. There are some huge air quotes around amazing material. <laughs> In <laughs> my opinion. Listen to two guys rant about magic in their basement. <laughs> amazing. Oh. My day is going good. Uh, yesterday, big news on the modern front for me. I uh, pretty much ordered everything I need for my first paper modern deck. In case the uh, listeners are interested, I'm building black white stone blade. So nice. my Sounds plan is to I'm hoping to double down on turn one grief ephemerate or turn one grief undying evil. Strip your hand and then thought seizes fatal pushes and more flickers. I don't want you to and have anything. Basically, strip their hand and then follow it up with a click quick clock with Stoneforge Mystic exactly. and maybe. Called Dara Complete or Batter Skull? Yep, that's the plan. I want to, I mean, even if the win con ends up just being a, a 3 2 on turn one, you think about a 3 2 on turn one that gets flickered once or twice, takes your best cards. If I'm still interacting with you on the board, that'll kill you eventually. And yeah, Stone Forge on turn two is obviously ideal. You should uh, count the number of turns it takes, do a little bit of math there and be like, well, I need to hit him twice with grief. And then that brings Caldera down to two hits. And so yeah. now I need to, so I need to connect twice with grief, two with Caldera and I've got the game. Yeah. That, that'll be like, that's the curve I need to look for in my opening hand. Cause that's one yep. thing I need to work on for sure. What we're talking about now getting into modern and whatnot. Well, um, now that you've got yourself a deck, now it's time yeah. to start putting in the reps. Well, just it's like just like, I need to, something I need to work on myself for sure is mulliganing better. I think it's one thing every player, if you don't, it, like, I think every player mulligans weaker than they think they do. Yep. Mulliganing is so powerful. I don't do it well enough. So the short answer is uh, mulligan more often. Yeah, that's usually what it winds up to. Like be willing to start those, especially with something like this, where it has that really powerhouse of an opening hand. I'm going to need, need to start a lot of games at five cards or six because yep. I need to be chasing this. Combo well, I mean, up. if you think about it just quickly, you grief somebody out. Yeah, you go down. So grief's a two for one for yourself initially. Yes. So you're going to go down on cards quickly. But you're going to immediately strip your opponent of any uh-huh. reasonable well, action as well. If you can get the combo off, it's not even it's it's even yeah. because I get to keep the grief. So but it's two for one and I take one of yours. So I spent two. You've lost one. Ephemerate bumps it up to I've spent three cards. I take your second card. Keeping the grief kind of brings that to about even yep. where and then if I get to obviously ephemerate it again. With the yeah, with every the, subsequent of well, even if it comes back in the next turn, yeah. now I'm almost carded. I'm almost card positive. Yep. So the real potential there is to kind of combo ish, dump your hand on turn one, but not even necessarily go down on cards with your opponent. Yep. And if you're smart, you'll also get some big tempo advantages there. Mm-hmm. That was one of the best things. Not the only good thing, but one of the best things about thought sees is you can proactively use it to disrupt somebody's oh uh, yeah curve, so they're not playing on curve now, so you can effectively time walk them. Yeah, it's very fun when you get to go. I'm going to take my turn one. You're not doing anything on your turn one. Yeah, because I took your one drop. Exactly. We should probably talk about 
actual things that people want to hear. So let's get into our, as usual, meta-analysis. Yeah. You want to go first with Legacy? Yeah, we'll start with the Legacy uh, Saturday challenge, just like we normally do. It's looking not bad, but the metagame is, I don't want to say stale, because it just... Well, is it settling it down? Changed. It's is it settling down, down into what bit? we didn't like? That's the problem. The way we do these is I usually, I'll look up the modern, Matt looks up the legacy, and we kind of tell it to each other. So I'm, I go into it kind of blind. He goes into modern kind of blind. Yeah. So uh, Doomsday won the Saturday challenge. Okay. Uh, so that's good news for you and I who've been saying Doomsday is a... One of the best I things. Mean, it's been pretty obvious over the past few months, but we've been saying it for a couple years. Even though Doomsday it has a was, even though it has a bad matchup against Is It Tempo, still maintains probably one of the best decks. Right. Then we've got three Jess Guy standstill lists in the top eight. That's a lot. Um, I believe two of them are running Ragaman. One of them isn't. Then we got Sneak and Show, and looks like just a Grixis Control list. Maybe it's kind of a weird one. Like old Grixis Control, like well, back when we had Death Right. Yes and no. So you've got Dragon Rage Chandler and Baleful Strix, Baleful Strix in the same deck. I mean, Baleful Strix is a really strong indicator of Grixis control. Right, but Dra Dragon Rage Chandler isn't. So it no. looks, it's basically just like a Grixis midrange deck. It's, is it Grixis good stuff? Are we are that's, we starting to get into good stuff? Pretty piles? much what it is. Yeah, but and then again, this is going to be something you're going to hear prevalent a, a lot this podcast. Uh, Days is popping up in this. So mm -hmm. that's what you said earlier. Yeah, it's. I've never seen a Baleful, Baleful Strix and Days in the same deck. I don't like Days. I've heard a lot of good things about Days and like the way it alters games. And I, it's kind of cool. Like the the thought processes it puts you in is really cool. The way like when you play into Days, if people don't know, Days is one in a blue for an instant counter target spell unless its controller pays one. But you can cast it for free if you return an island to your hand. Right. So a free mana tithe counter unless, unless you pay one, which in Legacy... It's hard to play the one. Yeah. We're usually well, spending all of our mana. Nine times out of ten, it's going to be uh, played when you can't pay the one. Exactly. It's it, it's a really powerful card. It really shuts down a lot of stuff. In, this, in the early games, that's why it's a, a tempo card. Yep. It doesn't necessarily stop your bomb on turn five, but it does stop you from developing your board on turn two. Right. Or answering what the Days deck has done. Exactly. Um, and so I've kind of always really liked Days, but there seems to be... I think I think now is the wrong time to like days. So right. So if you go back six months, the argument for days that I kind of agree with is you get put in these positions where do I play into the days because I have to and force my opponent to use it? Do I take a turn off to then play around it and not be as afraid of it? Because legacy, oddly enough, used to be slower. I think you had time. Now the cards that are coming out are so efficient. They're so strong. And, and they, they produce snow, so, they snowball very yeah they produce so much value there you don't have the question of can I play around days anymore right and so that's my problem with it yeah that's what I was gonna say is the the problem is before Modern Horizons two basically days wasn't protecting stuff that was quite as good yeah and now it's a question of if it's protecting broken cards do we get rid of days do we get rid of the broken cards or do do we get rid of both. A lot of people want to get rid of days. I don't yeah. think I agree with them. I don't. That's not where we should start. Mm -mm, I don't think so. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a, like if there are problematic old cards in Legacy, then we can have that discussion. Oh, I'd I would love to see days go, but I don't think it's the right target right now. Right. So and again, we don't want to get too heavy in the band talk or anything. Yeah. But like that's not something yet. to keep in mind is uh one. I believe it was this one or the Sunday challenge. There were 26 copies of days in the top eight out of a potential 32. Yeah. So like every, that's 
You've Everyone's got running days as a four stand of. still. Almost. Show and tell. This Grixis list. Blue, red, del. Basically any tempo deck. I mean, you've got days everywhere. Yeah. So just well, keep an eye on that. You were saying days and standstill? Yeah. Yeah, that's the big one. I've seen days in Doomsday recently playing online, and obviously days has been a, a Blue Red Delver or an Is It Tempo deck staple, a defining card, but I haven't seen it jump into standstill, and that's huge. And Sneak and Show. Oh, and Sneak and Show, yeah. yeah. That, and again, I think those days and Bayful Strix, I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, those two in the same deck. So I'm not. What do you? What does that mean for the format? You think that we're seeing days start to get incorporated into these decks that the, normally wouldn't? Fundamentally, I think the problem is Legacy has gotten to a place where there are cards that are individually so strong that it doesn't matter how many resources you put into protecting them, you can still win the game as long as they're still on the board. Gotcha. So like, oh, the Oko, Oko has stuck around, kind of. The the perfect card is Oko, where it's like, I don't care about anything else in this game except Oko. We can trade back and forth all day. I'll throw four or five cards into protecting Oko. It doesn't matter because he's strong enough to win the game on his own. I see. Now, one of the things to look out for there, some of these cards that are doing it are cards that have been around for, like, Doomsday has been a deck forever. Debatable. Whether it was good or bad, <laughs> it's been around for a long time. Yeah. The Days Edition is relatively recent in mm -hmm. terms of it, the deck's lifespan. Yeah. Sneak and Show has been around forever. Yeah, that's been that's forever. Standstill has been around forever. I mean, Sneak and Show. I'm, when was that first printed? Like, <laughs> I've seen the uh, art. It's old as heck. Sneak Attack was printed in Urza's Saga. Show that and Ur Tell, yes, yes. I think, was also in Urza's Saga. They weren't really played super heavily back then because there weren't. The basically, Emrakul doesn't. The payoffs weren't there. Yeah. Emrakul and Gr Grizzlebrand didn't exist. So yeah, show and tell's been a card for 20 years. Right. So what I'm wondering is if what's causing that shift, if more people have just seen that days is the way and the truth, or if there's something specific about this metagame and gen like if there's something specific to this metagame that's making it so days is needed, or if it's just something where days is so good now that it's just like, well, I'm going to run days because I have blue before we get too far off. Let's finish our topic. Yep. So go ahead and start from the beginning because we kind of we kind of got lost yeah. in there. So top eight, Doomsday, Jeskai Standstill, Jeskai Standstill, uh, Mono Green, Cloud Post. So that's kind of one up for the top 32. Mm -hmm. uh, another Standstill list, Sneak and Show, that Grixis mid-range deck that we talked about, and then Blue Red Delver. So that's your top eight. So a lot less combo in the top eight than we've seen, but a lot more yeah. Standstill and lot, Tempo. A lot of Standstill. A lot of Standstill. A lot of control of some kind where Tempo isn't control, but it has some controlling elements. And then Jeskai standstill is just control. Yep. And most importantly, Elves uh, was 10th. So Still as we joked eight. about earlier, if Elves, Elves is doing well, then by definition, it is a good uh, metagame. I <laughs> will refer to our last episode when I aggressively disagreed. Yep. So just looking at some quick numbers here. Blue Red Delver, uh, five of the top 32, that's 15%. Standstill, four of the top 32, that's 12.5%. Um, and then it uh, looks like Red Prison Decks. We're also doing pretty good trying to basically just power out a chalice of the void yep. to, you know, cash in or, on these cash in on these uh Xerox decks. Uh Take Chalice of the Void and Trinisphere are usually your big hits on turn one. Sometimes Blood yeah. Moon too. Yep. Basically, I mean the deck runs all three to just guarantee on turn one it's yep. doing something that if you don't force a will, you're probably Exactly. The way I'm trying to guarantee a turn one grief to shut you down. They're Correct. trying to turn one Chalice, Blood Moon, just something to shut the other person down. Put them in a lock. I mean, that's exactly. why the deck is called uh, Mono prison. Red Prison, 
put them in a lock, and then it usually uses cards like Goblin Rabble Master, which are just three drops that produce uh, a token the, every turn. A token every turn, and if you're not p casting any spells, then they're just going to beat you to death with a two-two and a few. It's it's like a mini Monastery Mentor. It just yeah. overwhelms the board so quickly. Yep. Especially again, if you don't have any sort of blockers or interaction or anything, it's a very quick clock. So that's the uh, Saturday challenge. The Sunday challenge was even more exciting for us elves players. Uh, we got a third place, so I'm super excited about that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, bringing um, home third. That's we haven't seen elves since we even started in a top eight. Yeah, that's it's it's been hovering between 16 and 32 pretty consistently. There's almost always one in the top 32. Um, there's a few guys in in particular that are playing it, and they've been tinkering around. Um, there's been lists that splash white for like Archon of Valor's Reach. Some prismatic ending. Yeah, I was gonna say a couple guys had splashed white for prismatic ending in the sideboard. There's a reclaimer, Elvish reclaimer lists going around <clears throat> that just try to. It basically gives you a few more sideboard tools with reclaimer. Obviously, the reclaimer can get you a guy as cradle quicker. That helps a lot. It's a better beater than in, individually than any of the other elves. Once it's online, it's a three four. But it does give you access to tutoring out like Caracas and Cabal Pit to deal with individual, individually powerful creatures. That's one of those tools or one of those archetypes or variants within elves. Just going over the top eight real quick. We've got, I guess I had it backwards. This is the, now we're doing, the previous one was the Sunday challenge. Okay. This is the Saturday challenge. All right. So going to the Sunday challenge, um, top eight, we've got blue red tempo. Oh, we've got a Yorion list. Uh, looks like Yorion green sun. Yeah. Yorion Maverick? Well, I've, I've heard of Yorion Death and Taxes. I haven't heard of Yorion Maverick. This is a bit of a weird one. So it's got a bunch, like I said, it's got a Green Sun Zenith list. or mm -hmm. So it's got, you know, 15 creatures and it looks like 13 different ones. Yeah. So a I, bunch of different stuff there. I wouldn't imagine those would pair well. Your Green Sun deck that relies on drawing Green Sun and an 80 card deck. Well, here's the trick. It's a, it's Bant. So you've got a lot of cantrips in there too. Mm pseudo thin your deck out not yep. necessarily thin it out but give you access to seeing more of those cards yeah looking at six cards a turn makes it easier to find your green suns and Correct. they always shuffle back in not to mention having those one-offs does play very well with your cantrips it's always nice when you can ponder and see three different it's, cards it's possible people are listening they never heard of green suns yet they never played it because that's this is a legacy exclusive green x Search your library for a green card with convert a mana cost. Green creature X, card. Sorry, a green creature card. Convert a mana cost X or less. Put it directly into play. Yep, and then shuffle green sun zenith back into your library. Yeah. So it goes right back <clears> in. So the ability to tutor up, basically add one green mana on top of whatever green creature mana cost, and you get to go get it right onto the battlefield. These types of toolbox decks can be very powerful, but also like very responsive. Well, I'll say responsive. Yeah. Um, they can be inconsistent, but they're 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 good at responding to what you're doing yeah, because they're they just very have reactive decks, react. traditionally yeah. speaking. Yes. So interesting. Um, second was the Bant Green Sun list. Third, we've got Elves, straightforward Elves list. It's pretty much one for one for the list I've got sitting in my deck box. So I was really happy to see that. Nice. Sneak and show some Jeskai lists here. These are standstill or just tempo. We're gonna start a GoFundMe so Mac can afford to get a laptop and stop using his phone. His phone that was made six years ago. Hey, how do you think I can afford two legacy decks? I don't buy a new <laughs> phone every two years. <laughs> so yeah, these are just, uh, looks like Jeskai tempo lists. So not standstill. Okay. And we've got uh, Bryant Cook again. He gets a shout out literally every time I see him. Yeah. So he's a great magic player. 
again, top eight, a uh, seventh with the Epic Storm. Well done. Looks like a very similar list to the last week. Four color. Uh, yes. Nice. And then we've got, I believe this, yes, High Tide top aided. I was super so I, excited to see High Tide. I was just thinking about High Tide recently because um, the new five mana creature that's three blue blue spells can't be countered, but you can play things your things yeah. in your graveyard game flashback. Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking about that because that feels like it could be in High Tide, but I like erased the thought from my mind because I was like, no one's played High Tide since like 2013. Right. I'm and wrong. Obviously, I'm wrong. Yeah, I was very excited to see that. It doesn't look like it's really gotten anything new. It hasn't, has it? What's High Tide gotten? One of the most powerful um, cards ever printed, High Tide. Yeah, and, and obviously the deck is full of just very powerful cards. Is it running Time Spiral? Is that its, uh, yeah. its engine? Yep. Time Spiral is four blue, blue. Both players shuffle their hands and graveyards into their library and then draw seven cards, and then you get to untap six lands. High Tide is a one blue instant that makes it so that whenever a island is tapped for mana, it produces an additional blue. Yep. So the, the two combinations, they those two cards in combination work pretty well together. You're just going to cycle through your deck. Yep. You start because um, they also stack. So the idea is if you cast, let's say, three high tides in one turn, your islands tap for four. Is that running Candelabras? It is not. Interesting. Candelabra is a really common card you see in there. Basically, you pay X to untap X lands, which is good when your lands tap for six. I guess technically it did get dressed down for the sideboard. That's not unimportant, but probably isn't the sole reason that the deck top aided. Um, We probably have an example like a Bryant Cook where this is a high tide mage, is what he does or she does, and more power to him for bringing a really cool deck uh, into the limelight. I was super excited to see that. I love seeing kind of the... You look back and you're like, wow, that card, that deck doesn't have anything printed before 2006 or something like yeah, that. <laughs> our biggest complaints here is that we all we see is Jeskai Tempo and Is It Tempo and Dragon Rage Channeler and Merktide Regent yeah, and Ragavan. The, the complaint fundamentally at its core is Legacy is, you know, in its current state, somewhere between 10 and 15 years old. And the most played cards have been printed in the last six months. Yep. And just with the idea that we run these eternal formats that are very expensive, we kind of, we buy into the cost of the decks because they should last. And we're running into a world where every two years, the meta is shifting to such an extreme extent with new cards being printed, decks being changed or banned, that we're looking at investing several hundred dollars every few years to keep our decks relevant. It's not what we're looking for. Yeah. So here's the hidden reason why elves did well, so well, this particular time. Because it was Julian. No. Death and Taxes was the most played deck in the top 32. Yep. So <laughs> Death and Taxes is here to yep. hopefully sit on top of Delver yep. or Tempo. And Elves sits on, all over <laughs> Death sits and on top of Death and Taxes. We don't normally cuss, but that's just the truth. We, we're, we're good for about two, two an episode. <laughs> yep. I always give the explicit title. <laughs> yep. Go ahead and pull up, before we make sure, pull up our Sunday and run through our top cards like we like to do. We didn't do it on Modern last week. I apologize. We will be doing it this week. So I like looking at the maybe the top deck or two and the top played cards. The most played cards, Force of Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Days, those are all almost always the top. Days uh, usually isn't that high. That's that's It's usually in there. Yeah. It's all it's almost always in the top ten. That's it's fair. not normally fourth, but obviously with these past couple challenges now that even combo decks are starting mm-hmm. to run days, that's obviously going to change. Uh fifth, Swords of Plowshares, sixth is Lotus Petal. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's usually a really combo-centric card. This kind of shows you there may be 
not necessarily issues, but when a Pyroblast is the seventh most yeah. played card, that I think is a on. that is a solid indication there's a problem with your meta when your main color pe- specific hate is people are main decking Pyroblast again. So uh, then you've got Ragavan is eighth, ninth is Lightning Bolt, tenth is Murktide Regent. Top creatures: Ragavan, Murktide Regent, Dragon Rage Channeler, uh, Simeon Spirit Guide. So it's like we we're talking about Red Prison, uh, Flicker Wisp, and uh, Flicker Wisp Mom. Recruit of the guard. Basically, it's just uh, death and taxes creatures yep. for the last. A little bit of movement on the fourth, fifth, and sixth spot, but one, two, yep. and three are holding still at those MH two hose or uh, um, killers. Yep. The other interesting thing I want to talk about is Cascade. So, crashing footballs is crashing its way back into legacy. Wow. What is it? Two thousand fifteen again. Yep. So, basically, doing what it was doing back in the day. This these decks seem to be a little more dedicated to it. Uh. This one in particular, four Elvish Spirit Guides and four Simeon Spirit Guides to try to get that Cascade off as soon as possible. Um, it looks like it's capable of dropping at least one Crashing Footfalls on turn one. Potentially even two. How'd so, you get two? I mean, you just need the right hand with Crashing Footfalls and a land, and then the the Spirit Guides. Gotcha. So, again, that's kind of magic Christmas land. Yeah, I see what but you mean. it's not... Or unheard is it, of to end is up. Is it the style like. of Cascade that does it run anything in the no. one and two slot? Nope. So it hits every time. It hits every time. What, and is the only thing is the only thing it hits crashing footfalls. Correct. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. It is literally. I mean, it's obviously it's not going to be one for one with the modern crashing footfalls decks because you know we've got more options here, but it's very similar. It's cool to see modern decks travel back in time to legacy, especially a a deck like Cascade that existed there first, I think, and then. Kind of went into obscurity and it's coming back. It's kind of cool to see some decks coming back, yeah. even if we are living in a tempo. Yeah, so world. it'll be, it'll be, I'll be curious to see if, or I'm curious to see if uh, this deck has actual legs. I mean, obviously, yeah. top 32 in a challenge, a couple of them did. Yeah. Obviously, that means it's playable, but whether it's got, you know, can kind of go the distance and be yeah. a staple deck in the format is. Well, it's one of those things. Once a deck becomes recognized as being in the field, then it starts getting hate. A deck being able to play through hate is what kind of solidifies it as a player in the game. Correct. So we'll see what happens now, there. One of the nice things about the Cascade mechanic in particular is Legacy's primary way of dealing with stupid combo crap is Force of Will. Mm-hmm. That doesn't always cut it. Like, yeah. it this can. Is, this is your guaranteed two. This is a two for one in your favor whenever you cast a Cascade spell. Right. So getting. To eat a force of will and turn your two for one into a him to Turok, him to Turok. Yeah. That I mean, that still There's, creates a two two. Yeah. Good. So, so if basically what I'm getting at there is, if your opponents don't kind of, you can kind of catch some people, especially if you're trying to kind of spike a tournament out of nowhere. So, just keep an eye on that. Yeah, Cascade is a value machine, right. especially when you gear it towards this, where every Cascade trigger turns into two four four tramples. Right. That, those are must counter spells, especially on turn let's say two. Yeah. Unless you're running Terminus or Supreme Verdict. That's a must counter. And that leaves you with um, a 2-3 or whatever it is. Yep. Uh, 2-2 for Shardless Agent. So, pretty cool. I'm still not happy with, based on that recap, where Legacy is. It's cool to see some of the older decks come back. I still see uh, the vast majority is Turn 1 Ragavan, Jeskai Tempo, so Turn 1 Dragon Rage Channeler, and then, yeah, Dazes, Force of Wills, trying to end the game quickly. With just these hyper powerful cards, personally not in love with where Legacy is, but 
I will say it's not getting aggressively worse. It's at least kind of leveled out with where like we're content in that we don't like it, but it's not degrading worse, at least in the last couple of weeks. And if it is, it's kind of slowly doing that. Like yeah. days is showing in these challenges is concerning. Like seeing that particular card be everywhere as opposed to the pretty much the one yeah. archetype that we would go. Yeah, well, that belongs there. It feels days is one of those cards that it has a deck it belongs in. And when it starts straying into decks it doesn't belong in, that's when we start kind of getting scared. It It's almost kind of like having a fever. Like having a fever isn't the problem. It's a symptom. Yeah. Days being thrown into these other decks could very easily be a symptom of the, the metagame and yeah. not the cause of the problems. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. We spent quite a lot of time on Legacy. Let's jump into Modern. We'll try and move this a little quicker. So I'm going to pull up the... Saturday challenge first. We'll run through it. We've got Azorius Mill in first. So not quite Turbo Mill, sort of Turbo Mill, but with some counter magic backup. Yep. Some people thought Turbo Mill needed some protection. I'm always in favor of seeing counter spells. I think they make every yep, deck better. Counter spells and prismatic endings. Yep. So just again, we've seen this a lot where, it's, I mean, you even see it in uh, with like Jeskai Tempo where they kind of tone down the speed a little bit yep. in order to give themselves uh a slight, you know, better percentage points in other matches. Exactly. To stop the haymakers from coming your way, that'll kill you. Yep. Then we have Hammer Time, Living End, Living End, Is It Tempo, Scape Shift, Crashing Footfalls, and Mono Green Tron. So we were talking earlier about looking at this Saturday um, Modern League, Modern League, Modern Challenge. A lot of combo here. Yep. So I kind of view Azorius Mill, I kind of view Mill and Turbo Mill in the same vein of combo. Yeah, there's It definitely isn't Splinter Twin, but it's, 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 it's in the same vein. They know each other. And um, I kind of throw Mono Green Tron into that same realm of kind of combo. It's all about assembling these couple cards that'll help put the game away quickly. Matt put it a really good way where you, you're kind of playing sol- solitaire here. You're not as worried about what your opponent's doing. You're trying to make sure your thing happens. Yep, which was a problem for Modern over the past few years. Seemed like it was kind of leveling out yeah. a little bit. So, so that's where I place those. And then, so Hammer Time, I consider a combo deck. Living End is definitely a combo deck. Scape Shift is a combo deck. It's a one-card yep. combo. It's a combo deck. Uh, Crashing Footfalls comes in, and Crashing Footfalls and Is It Tempo give us our tempo decks. But a lot of combo here. The diversity is nice, and I'm really excited to see that. But combo on Saturday was kind of kind of prevalent. Kind of prevalent. Jumping on to Sunday, we've got Red Eldrazi, which is kind of cool to see in first place. Yep, probably the... One of the few decks that's just trying to legitimately play fair. Yeah, just and uh, I mean, as as much yeah, just as looking at the list, it was just there was no acceleration. <laughs> it was just a deck that's trying to curve out and cast exactly stuff just cast really efficient creatures I mean, that come down with big power. Like there's there's it's Eldrazi has the acceleration baked into the lands, or those aren't no, even modern legal anymore. Well, that's what I was talking one about. Of them? I don't know. I don't think any of them are. We have Ramanap, um, we have Ramanap Ruins. You do get Eldrazi Tempo. Or sorry, Eldrazi Temple. Temple. Gotcha. That's your that's the best thing you've got for some your ancient tomb, sort of. Yes. But like it's not like in Legacy. In Legacy, you get City of Trader, Ancient Tomb. Sometimes you'll run the monoliths I've seen. But you get um what's the Eldrazi Eye of Ugin? Yep. You don't get any of that. So this is just about I mean it's running four Ragavans because it's your best turn one. And then just trying to curve out with Bone Crushers, Eldrazi Obligator. And the matter reshaper, you get into your threes and fours and just curve out into some efficient, powerful beaters that yep. thought not see or punch people in the face. Yep. And so if you look at their creatures there, 
all of them line up well against Rav Ragavan, except basically Ragavan. <laughs> so we're yeah. gonna look at this as this is a deck. It may not be intentionally designed to beat Ragavan only, but if you look at it, it's basically only playing cards that are good against Ragavan decks. Yep. Three dismember in the main. Yeah. I mean that's probably there for Ragavan. Ragavan or Dragon Mage Channeler, but yeah. Yeah. I um when I most of the time when I'm talking about them, I kind of lump them together. Obviously, they get played in different decks yep. frequently. I mean, this is a perfect example of it. But like, you know, Jeskai Tempo doesn't run most of the time run Dragon Rage Chandler or just dedicated tempo less from that. Yep. But yeah, I mean, you need to deal with those turn one game ending threats. Mm -hmm. Gut shot is kind of the initial thing I think of. And I think this member is just a slightly more expensive but more universal answer. Yep. So it's gut more shots, stuff, costs more life. Gut shots one damage or two life. This is four life and one, but five damage mops up most things. Except that's gonna have a hard time killing your Merc Tides. But beyond that, it's clearing the way early. And I think yep. the idea here is the game is over before Merc Tide becomes a problem. So then we had Jeskai Control, Crashing Footfalls, Black Green Sacrifice, Is It Tempo, Ad Nauseum coming yep. in sixth place. The deck is not dead. We saw it here this weekend. Is It Tempo and then Hammer Time rounding out our top eight. This I like seeing this top eight a lot more than Saturdays. This one is a lot more diverse. This is a lot less just combo oriented. Red Stompy with Eldrazi is pretty freaking sweet to see. We have a Sacrifice deck. Ad Nauseum came in. It's definitely a combo deck, but just to see Ad Nauseum pulling its weight in modern right now is pretty cool. Yep. Um, ninth place, notably, was Indomitable Creativity, something we saw a couple times last weekend. Uh, didn't even topic this weekend, but still a really powerful combo. It's kind of cool to see. Yep, Actually, and 11th as well. So they came really close to, to top eight twice. The nice thing about those kind of decks is, like, I wouldn't say I'm a modern expert. I think that's fair to say. But if you look at these, the decks don't, like, Indomitable Creativity and Ad Nauseum are clearly not the meta deck. So these are people who are playing the deck that they love and they're still able to do well with yep, it. And I'm very excited to see that. That's why, I mean, every, every challenge that we talk about, if elves does well, you will hear from me about it. Yeah. Like this guy's probably doing the same thing. You know, he's shaking his fist in the air. He's like, yes, yep. I'm playing ad nauseum tendrils or, you know, ad nauseum. I don't know if it's a tendrils deck, but I'm playing ad nauseum and I'm doing well. And that's, that's when magic's at its best. When you can play your deck and still do well in a competitive scene. The thoughtful Oracle deck. So it's basically, I mean, that basically means it's doomsday, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Same principle. Phyrexian Unlifes, Spoils of the Vaults. Powerful combination that I ran into so for the first time. It's cool. not literally doomsday, but it's doing the same it's thing. It's doing a pretty similar thing. Yeah. yeah. Exile the deck or draw it in yep. this case. Yeah. I can't lose. I'm going to draw my deck. I'm going to play Thassa's Oracle and win. Yep. It's pretty doomsday. Cool. It's um, just not nearly as complicated. <laughs> so metagame. So the top 32 for this, we had Is It Tempo at 15 and a half percent. Yep. Uh, this is we're gonna do most of the Sunday challenge for this, and then crashing footfalls at nine and a half percent, hammer time nine and a half percent, indomitable creativity actually was our. I mean, so second, third, fourth, and fifth are all the exact same. They all had three decks in the top thirty-two. Yep. Uh, so around that nine ten percent burn, indomitable, indomitable creativity, hammer time, crashing footfalls. One thing I want to say about this is if you're not building your modern decks with Cascade in mind, you're doing it wrong. Because we have seen a Cascade deck of some kind between one and three copies in the top eight of, I think, every single challenge since we started looking at these. Yep. And that's like, you know, we don't want to draw too many hard conclusions from each individual week, but we've been doing this for a month now. It's there. Yep. And Cascade it, is a thing that's here to stay. Correct. And you need to 
plan for that. Yeah. As if you, you don't look at these decks as much as I do, everything is running two chalice in the side minimum. Yeah. Like this is what we talked I talked about earlier. The deck is existing through hate. This is a player. So if you're building your deck, you want to play and have a good time, you need to be prepared to beat is it tempo? Probably, because that's a pretty, pretty relevant deck, which you probably are, because is it tempo isn't terribly far off like red prowess or is it prowess? More powerful, but it's similar game plans. Yeah. You were I think people were prepared to get punched in the face every turn by Red's cards. So your plan is there probably already to deal with that. Crashing footfalls, um, Cascade's obviously a new thing that you need to be putting in your main board, maybe. In your sideboard, definitely. And maybe even more than two or three slots. Yep. I need to take some of your space. Regardless of how I feel about the decks, I don't I don't hate Cascade as a mechanic. But this was one Shardless Agent was one of the cards I called for the spoilers. And I was just like, Shardless Agent is by far going to be one of not like the most powerful, but it's I mean, it's one of the most impactful cards in yeah. modern. You talked to it's gonna it, that's gonna alter the meta the most, potentially. Yeah. And it, I mean, we go from like I said, is it tempo? Is it prowess? Those decks are different, but similar. Yep. And they have been on top for a you're while. Just, you know, you're slotting out individual cards, yes. approaching the, the matchup in a very similar way, not yep. identical. But different but similar. Cascade didn't exist. And now it's again, either crashing footfalls, which seems to be the slightly more common, or uh living end, yeah. which seems to be the slightly more powerful. Living end did exist, but it was nothing compared yeah, to this. It was not what people traditionally consider a competitive. I mean, do you think it ever warranted three sideboard slots? No. Exactly. And right. now it I think I think it does. Yeah. Like I built I was building my deck and I changed a couple sideboard slots to better build against what Cascade. are your sideboard slots? So, personally, I don't want to pay for Chalice of the Voids. They're like 50, 60 bucks a piece. Um, I'm, I mean, I play Legacy and Modern. I'm not like a budget, budget player, but... There's a line. I just... Yeah, there's kind of a line. I might buy them later. So, I threw in Void Mirror, and I think it's a really cool card. I love when it got spoiled. I think it does a really good Chalice impression if you're trying to fight Cascade decks, which is what I want it for. But it also has the side fact, the side fight of anything free, so all of your... Oddly enough, all of your elementals you're trying to cash for free, including mine. So I got a that's kind of a non-bow. But your counter magic, your free removal, your Tron, you even have a chance of hitting Tron there, and it hits Cascade really well. It comes down exactly on the right turn. You know, I'm guaranteed to get two turns probably before Cascade guy gets to go off. Well, so. in modern, you pretty much are. They, yeah. Since uh, I they don't think they have, they don't died. have any mana acceleration, I don't think. So, like, that was my kind of budget. It's like 80 cents. Throw in some void mirrors instead of some Chalice of the Voids. I might buy Chalice later, but I'm really excited to get to play with that card because I saw it. Obviously, it's not. I thought that card could have legs in Legacy just because for two mana to shut off free counter magic, I think is, it has high potential mm -hmm. if you're not playing free counter magic. So in my case, blue, black, I'm planning, I'm planning, I'm planning on paying for most all my spells. Grief's kind of the exception, but by turn two, I'm probably done with the plan of playing it for free. Yep. That's a turn one, turn two thing. So I'm going to pay for all my spells, and Void Mirror is just this super simple artifact comes down that says we're all paying for spells at the minimum, and we're using colored mana. Correct. So I think that card's a really cool card. I'm excited to get to play with it. I might come back in three months and say I hate it, and I bought my chalices, but we'll see. For well, any sense. I, I mean, was going to say, that's the flip side of that, is if you don't like it, you're out a dollar. Yep. Who cares? So to wrap this up, um, I'll go to the next couple. So we had Death Guy Control, Black Sacrifice, Black Green Sacrifice, Tron, Red Burn, I think Ad Nauseum. I mean, now we're getting to the ones, though. Yeah. So 
Uh, not much there. Those are our most played decks. Yep. Most played cards. 41% of the meta was Lightning Bolt. 43 copies in the top yep. 32. That's a lot. Uh, Mishra's Bobble, Dragon Rage Channeler, and Ragavan. There's your Is It Tempo deck. Yep. I mean, well, number one, number two. definitely speaks to Loris. 100%. Number one, number two, number three, number four are your Is It Tempo decks almost assuredly. Yeah, Bobble is just a relic of Loris in general. Not solely that, but that's why that number's up so high. For sure. Because it's being used in Luris decks for sure yeah. and, and it's used to turn on uh, like Dragon, yeah, Dragon Rage, Rage, Rage Channel. Channel. Yep. Then you got Prismatic Ending at five, one of the best removals. Case in point, when I was building my black white deck, uh, there wasn't, I didn't see Prismatic Endings in the list I was looking at and I think that's just wrong. Obviously, I could be wrong, but I threw a Triome in there for a third color. I think Prismatic Ending, just top tier premium removal. I'm th- I, I'm throwing that in my deck. If I, I think that's something you should be running. Mystical Dispute, you know, Mystical Dispute does have a new card. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's the counter spell that costs less if you... It is. So it's a three mana mana leak. But if you're countering a blue spell, That's right, yeah. it costs one blue. So kind of cool. Yep. Unholy, unholy Heat. Obviously yep. Delirium's everywhere. Uh, Fire and Ice. OG Counterspell is number nine. And Expressive Iteration. A Legacy Powerhouse. Not surprised to see that here just for some good card advantage, especially in these yep. tempo decks. And especially... That's another reason why Bobble sees play. Like, you don't traditionally speaking run Bobble just because you're running Expressive Iteration, but the two cards do make each other better. Yeah, exactly. That's our meta analysis, meta breakdown. We spent a little longer on Legacy this week. Uh, With me getting more into Modern, I expect we'll start spending some more time on Modern, but... Well, yeah, I mean, I fully plan on rebuilding Elves now that... Now that I own a paper deck and you have a chance of having a good Elf deck, I think we need to get Modern built up, start playing each other, maybe proxy some decks. Start traveling to some tournaments. Yeah. People are opening. SCG Tour announced. SCG's a thing. Yep. I haven't looked at it too much myself. I don't know the dates and all that are, but like in paper, SCG Tours are a thing. I'd love to be wrong about Eternal Legacy being on the downslope. We'll see. Yeah. What's next, Matt? So just, we don't have to go through the whole challenge, but I just wanted to touch on Popper since it uh, the Popper format got yeah. shooken up last week with the ban of uh, Sojourner's Companion and Chatterstorm. Hmm. It's just going over the the challenges. It doesn't seem like the world ended where Affinity took over. Again, I don't have numbers in front of me. I think there were four legacy or four Affinity decks in the top thirty-two of both of them, both the Saturday and Sunday challenges. They did both fire. Uh, there were no uh, sixty basic land decks in those. <laughs> oh, so everyone played. So everyone did decide to play Popper this week. Um, uh, Demir uh, Fairies was one of the three decks. That was dominant two weeks ago, but didn't get anything banned out of it. Uh, it did have the most decks in the top 32. Uh, it was either the Saturday or the Sunday challenge. That's kind of a predict a predictable result. It's already a very good deck. Yeah, the two decks that you know it's trying to beat got worse. It's doing well. Uh, fairies in general do well in Popper. They've got some very strong cards there. They get to abuse most of the cantrips that are legal in Legacy. Uh, with some good removal and some good evasive yep. uh, creatures to finish the game with. And then the other deck that was, I don't know if it will be a long-term powerhouse, but white-green Boggles was all over the place. I hate playing against Boggles. And it's one of those things that that's the kind of deck that does very well in an, a brand new meta. Yeah. Where it's just like, I'm going to just make a 10-10 lifelink trample unblockable and just beat face. Hexproof. Don't forget Hexproof. Yes which is very important. Yeah. Um, 
So it was just interesting to see. Uh, once again, elves did pretty well. Uh, again, I didn't win either of the challenges, but it was it's in the top 32. It's back to being playable again. I mean, it was almost, I mean, an abysmal matchup against Chatterstorm. Like, oh gosh, yeah. it's just not even close. I've heard Chatterstorm flooding the board with, you know, five, six, ten, one ones on turn two. Yeah. On turn two, I'm trying to resolve Priest of Titania to set up for turn three. For, you know, the length that Chatterstorm was legal, Elves wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the it, it was the inferior green deck. Correct. So I'm excited to see Elves back. Uh, I've got my foil popper elf deck just waiting in the wings. Just, you know, as soon as anybody wants to play popper, I've got yeah. like 10 popper decks. I think I've got like four. Yeah, I love popper. It's a wonderful format. I've got a lot of friends that play it. Yep. It's one of the few formats where you go, oh, cool, something got banned. Let's play something. Like, we really don't like advocating for bans. I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to stuff being banned every now and then popper in popper just to see where it goes. Yeah. Because it doesn't. Decks are 50 bucks. Yeah. And I mean, most any deck that would be ban worthy probably has some cards that are going to go into other decks. Yeah. Not always, but most of the time they do. So again, I'm not advocating for that, but it's one of those things where I'm just like, hey, popper's different. Let's see what we can do now. Yep. So. I think we used to go to the card shop and we just pick up like we'd pick up two or three decks. We'd spend 120 bucks at our card shop, pick up the majority of a deck, yep, and go home and order the rest, right? Because it's easy, it's cheap, it's fun. Yep. The like, nice thing Minotaur about, Tribal's a thing. The nice thing about <laughs> Popper fun. is going to your local game store. You don't get kind of hosed on prices like you do if you're trying to buy exactly. Cards. So most game stores are probably selling Ragavans for a hundred dollars. ECG sell them for eighty. Yep. That's a you're leaving eighty dollars on the table if you buy a playset. Exactly. That's a whole popper deck. They can't, I don't want to say cheap, but they can't overprice you $80 on a $60 deck. Exactly. So go there, give your local game store 50 bucks, play some popper with some friends. It's a wonderful format. Yep. I can't speak highly enough of it. What's next? So the last thing we wanted to talk about, uh, there was some news in EDH and two cards were banned this week, or I should say one card was banned, one card was unbanned. The unbanning, was a card called Worldfire. Could not agree more. Great unbanning. Has no reason being on the ban list. It's just one of those cards that's, yeah, you can troll some people with it, but as we'll discuss later, that's one of those cards that you go, hey, Jake, I'm tired of you playing Worldfire every night. Play something else or we're not playing anymore. For reference, Worldfire, six red, 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 nine CMC sorcery, exile all permanents, exile all cards from hands and graveyards, each player left hole becomes one. So we lose all of our permanents, all of our, we lose everything except for our yep. decks. Our left hole is one. Restart the game. Yep. And that, yeah, that's, that's fine. Well, that's a nine mana. The reason it was on the ban list is because every now and then you're going to go to a game store and some jerk is going to sit down with a deck whose whole point is to power out world fire, make it uncounterable. And then we all just sit here for the next 45 minutes trying to replay the game. Yep. The answer to that isn't banning world fire. It's banning that guy. Yeah, exactly. Don't That's, play with that guy anymore. If he doesn't care about your time and isn't interested in everyone having a good time, then don't play with him. And that's going to lead us to our discussion of Golos. Yeah, that is our, our sentiment entirely on Golos. Tireless Pilgrim has been banned in EDH. It was determined to be too good and thus uh, unplayable in a casual format. I could not I could not disagree with this mentality of banning more. 
the idea that Golos, while it is a very powerful card, I will not argue that it's a good card. Yep. It's it's Wooberg, lets you play all the colors. It's five mana, it ramps, card's great. The fact that we need to ban a card like this in a casual format where you can totally sit down with somebody and say, let's say Matt sits down at a card shop, I'm brand new. He sits down with his Golos deck. And I look at him and I go, hey, buddy, I don't really like playing against Golos. I played against it a bunch. I really don't like it. it. I always lose. I always get my butt kicked. I'm just not playing that serious. Can you play anything else? And when Matt says, no, scrub, this is what I want to play. Well, what I have learned is I don't want to play with him. Correct. I didn't. I, I, I don't I don't want to not play with Golos as much. I don't want to play with that guy. And he was kind enough to tell me before our two hour game of Legacy. Right. So this is or of a uh, commander. The the issue I have with all with almost any EDH ban, and I mean I'm I'm of the opinion I would not have an EDH ban list. Yeah, one hundred percent. There shouldn't be one. I'm including Power Nine. I mean, outside of stuff like uh, I could see the Power card Nine. that creates that's it a mini game a sub game inside of the Zaharajad. game. Unglued cards or the unsets yeah. stuff stuff that fundamentally well, breaks a game of Magic. But if we're talking about just regular cards. That is what your playgroup is there for. We, Jake and I have had a, had a very solid playgroup for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And this is something we handled on our own. We, we, ha we had an in-house ban list. Right. Because cards that we thought we just, that it did was just not. stuff we didn't want to play yeah, against. We anymore. thought didn't facilitate a fun magic match between all of us. So we banned them ourselves. And that's where like, you get this weird interaction of commander players where it, I see on Reddit, people talk about they'll just rule zero it, which is totally cool. The idea that our, I mean, Matt, at our table, Golos isn't banned, which is, of course, you can do that. But if that's how you should ban him, if that's the point <laughs> of this casual format that you cannot play Matt, you cannot play Commander for money. I know there's been a CDH tournament where people hit for money. In my opinion, it's bullshit. It's I've, way too hard I've to even collude. I've played in one. Yeah, it's too hard to collude. There's no way you can convince me. Too easy to collude, you mean? Collude. Yeah. What did I say? You were saying it was too hard, but it's too Sorry. Hard. Too you, easy to collude with people and this this untenable situation where you're looking at someone and going, I can't win. I'll help you win for no reason. Oh, I'll give you some of my money if I win. This this The four-person format was not designed for competitive. If you're trying to run it competitively, that's fine. That's your rule zero. You're wrong. It's dumb. For money. Correct. If we want to sit down and play a game just the best we can, hard as we can, that's fine. Playing for money brings things into a whole new realm of edge shooting, cheating, taking advantage of people, bending the rules that we don't deal with in Commander. Right. So if that's not happening, we can do whatever we want. Why do we need 10 people in Seattle or wherever they are in a room telling us that, Matt, the way you have fun is wrong and you're not allowed to do it anymore. Right. And your cards are worth less money now. Correct. I couldn't agree more. I wanted to have this discussion when Holbreacher got banned, but we didn't have a podcast. Right. I, I'm. We had talked about this on our uh, Facebook group where all of the justification for unbanning Worldfire could absolutely be applied yes. to just almost every card on the ban list. Yes. Uh, including the, Golos. The argument I'm going to make isn't necessarily a unique argument that I've, I've heard other people say it and they've said it before us. I had it before them. Or I shouldn't say that. We've all had it in a universal sense. They said it first. They can have credit. But the idea that, so Worldfire, nine mana, doesn't quite win the game, but let's say it wins the game. Time stretch, 10 mana, take it, take two turns, wins the game. I'm throwing air quotes up. Tooth and nail. Uh, tooth and expropriate. Nail. Expropriate. Nine mana. The game is over. The idea that We'll say eight, nine, maybe seven mana 
a spell that resolves can win the game or at least put you in a position where you're going to win. You spent nine mana. It resolved. We're obviously at a point in the game where this is what's happening. I'm not going to, I don't want edge cases where you cheated it out on turn three with Mizzix's mastery. Congratulations. You're the 1%. Do it four times in a row. That's what people, that's what we ban cards for. So nine mana is okay to win the game. Eight mana is okay to win the game. Golos costs five. Jake, that's not nine. You're right. It's not. Pass the turn. Or you want to do it this turn? Cool. Pay five to cast him. Pay seven to activate him. Right. Twelve mana. You know what? Twelve mana. You may look at the top three cards and cast them if they're castable for free. Yep. Hope you don't flip two lands and a cultivate. So, one of the things I that feel people very strongly will... about this, <laughs> and you should. Uh, again, we talk about one of the things that's happened in Magic, and we never. I mean, the last. When we were when I was playing in middle school and high school, I went from the Urza Saga block, so Compo Winter, to the Marodent block. And if I remember correctly, there was nothing banned there. There may have been one thing that I'm just not thinking of. When I think of bans, I think of like, holy crap, we messed up a format. No one's playing in standard or legacy or anything like that anymore. Player interaction with the format is way down. Engagement is way mm-hmm. down. We need to do something in order to fix this. I don't see a any data for that being the case for Golos and B I don't even know how you would collect that data if me and Jake and his oh. wife and our friend are sitting in our basement there is no data for bands yes. one of the most upsetting things about me or one of the most upsetting things to me about the way that the rules committee will ban cards is they'll openly admit they don't use data because they can't or the data they'll use is the number of Golos decks that are on goldfish that people yeah. type it just make up those are on websites yeah like they're banning cards with no data because you can't have any because like i said this is not a competitive format you cannot pull up well what was the last six months worth of challenges in in competitive commander correct so we're not doing that and the argument well, like, even the, if you could you can't even make the argument that if golos was on the top the data doesn't even necessarily support that golos is the problem especially with Golos in particular, he's a five-color good stuff deck. Yeah. And what I was going to say earlier before I lost my train of thought, Sorry. one of the problems with Golos is Wizards keeps printing cards specifically for EDH, and the format used to be play your weird stuff and it's fun. Now they keep printing cards that are head and shoulders better than... They, they're basically creating staples out of thin air every year. So when you see a good stuff deck, it's going to have the same 99 cards in it because 99 of those cards are the no questions asked, no debate. Those are the best cards to be running in EDH. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. The 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 thought I was on was your argument against me will be we don't ban cards for CEDH, which that's not true. They do. They ban Paradox Engine for CEDH. We ban cards for the low tier decks people playing like the people that are playing if we're going to rank them out of 10 the fours the fives the sixes we ban cards because they're too good for those decks in which case you're completely ignoring seven eight and nine like you're ignoring this huge subset of people that like playing powerful cards and you're telling them they don't matter they don't exist again their fun isn't correct that's all we're here to do is have fun if you don't have fun playing against somebody it is up to you to one politely tell them and if they ignore you, if they tell you to piss off, if they tell you they don't care, 
then it is your responsibility to find someone else to play with. It's not anyone else's job to be your big brother and come smash their toys because you don't like them. Right. And the flip side of that is as a player in a format that it's it's a very social format, it's your job to pay attention to if the three or four other people you're playing with are having fun. If you're playing a Golo yes. deck and clearly everyone is miserable and you won three out of the last four games, play a different deck. Exactly. I mean, Jake and I both play EDH pretty seriously. We neither one of us have what well, we would what we have technical CEDH. We decks. have two deck boxes. Right. We have the hey Matt, I want to play for fun today. You play dwarf vehicles. I'm going to play Ilhark. Right. And then we have Matt, I want to play for serious and I want to wasteland you three turns in a row with Ram and App. And well, you're like, okay, I'm going to play what's the containment? My Marin deck. Yeah, and I'm going to play contamination. Contamination on turn three. Correct. And stick it. And like, it's not anyone else's job to stop Matt from playing good cards. It's mine if I'm not having fun. And you know what? It's also part of Matt's job to make sure I have fun because we're playing a game where the point of EDH is not necessarily winning. It's the fun we have. The right. point of playing Legacy is to win. Yep. I mean, Legacy's fun. I enjoy playing Legacy. You want to have fun yeah. while you're playing, but the you're going. It's a competitive format. Yeah. My goal is to beat you. That's all I care about. In Legacy. We'll say in tiers four, five, six, and maybe seven, the goal is those awesome plays and those cool stacks of two counter spells and then a kill spell and then the, the, the crack of fetch land stifle and all kinds of weird interactions and these dumb things where you're looking up rules because who knows how this card printed in 1996 works with this card that was printed in 2015. And it's partly your responsibility to kind of go by that. And yeah, when your play group says, I don't enjoy this, then you should adjust. Matt did. When I first yep. started playing, Matt kicked our asses every week. And after the two or three weeks, we kind of went to Matt and we we're like, boy, we sure hate playing against those decks because we lose every time. And Matt said, you know what? That's that's fine. I can tune these decks down. And we played like that for like six, eight months while me and the other new person at the time, we kind of built our chops up. Right. And then as you guys get better, I can start playing Yes, you, you can bring your cards better tuned deck. Or if we exist forever in tier six, yeah. that's all. If if you sit if there, we're all playing sixes, it's still a game of magic. Yes. If I'm playing an eight and you guys are playing fours, I'm just we're just wasting everybody's time. Yeah, there's no reason the to do this. The outcome is inevitable. Like if you're sitting there, I mean, if you're sitting there with your group and you want to play eights and they all play sixes, you have two options. One, you can try to encourage the group to be a little more competitive and and up their game. Or find a new group. Yep. You don't get to take their fun for granted and just take and have all of it yourself. And they don't get to take yours. They don't get to complain to a third party, i.e. the, the rules, rules committee, committee, and say, you're not allowed to play that yeah. deck anymore. And complaining to the rules committee is a great example of why I don't like bands that aren't numbers oriented in some capacity. So um, uh, a relevant competitive example would be Oko and Astrolabe. Oko didn't necessarily get banned for particularly high win rates or high, even particularly high meta share. It was very close and people didn't like it. So it was half and half, too high in numbers and some complaining. You can get me there. I can meet you in the middle on that. But when we come to this where we're banning this card for no numbers reason, it's just complaining. I don't want to live in a world where squeaky wheel gets the grease. Whoever can mobilize their Twitter army enough can get a card banned. That's bullshit. Right. 100% agree. Casually banning cards is one of the things I think I dislike the most about this game. Banning cards, in my opinion, it takes money out of my pocket because my cards, I don't own Golos, but I own Hole Breachers. My cards are worth less. It takes money out of card shops' 
pockets because those cards are worth less. It takes cards out of people's collection. Uh, a friend of mine on Discord was talking about Hulk Reacher was like the best card he had. That was the most expensive card he owned. He was so happy to have it. Yeah. He, did he pull it out of a pack? I think he bought it. No, I think he bought it. I Did think it was one of those things he like it was he committed to it. Like he wanted this card as a really good card. I can't remember. I didn't get the whole story, but like he was kind of heartbroken where it's like, wow, he was like a starving college kid. And this one expensive card I committed to buying is now worthless because some dude listened to some emails about why it's not fun. The other thing this will boil down to is we're banning cards that you can kill. And that's everyone. Again, people are going to yell at me and it's fine. I will take your hate. Dies to Doomblade. I know that's not a guaranteed answer to everything, but Golos dies to every creature removal, every artifact removal. Hole Breacher dies to, I think, almost every single red damage spell and every creature removal. The idea that these cards are so powerful that no one can remove it when they need to run more removal. I almost guarantee the deck you're running... If you're having a problem with Golos, if you're having a problem with Hull Breacher, all three of you aren't running enough removal. Right. And I've, I've, I've made this claim. People get mad at me. It's fine. I think I'm right. The idea that if we're going to say it's turn four, we'll say it's turn four because, I mean, Hull Breachers could be on turn. Hull Breacher, if you get the nut, could be turn three when you have, you know, time or not time warp. Uh, is it time warp? What's the what's the three mana new hand? Time twister. Time, if you have time twister. And Hole Breacher. So on, no, it'd be the end of turn three, you drop time, you drop Hole Breacher, turn four, you cast Time Twister or uh, Windfall to wheel because that's the, that's the dreaded combo. Or let's say you ramp on turn two or three, you get Golos out on turn four, turn five, you're going to go off with him. The idea that you and two other people, so there's three of you, you drew seven to start with and you have all drawn, what, four cards now. You've all seen 11 cards. You have seen more than 10% of your deck and none of you have seen a removal spell. None of you talked to each other and said, hey, guys, Golos dude's about to go off. We need to work together a little bit and take care of this. Right. And and it's not even that it's one game because that can absolutely happen in For one sure. game. But we're not talking about one game. We're talking about numbers big enough to, quote, justify a ban. Yeah. And if like if you're in your playgroup and, you know, if I'm in Jake's playgroup and he sets down with Golos again after he's been a problem for the past month, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to mulligan till I have a hand that can beat Jake's Golos deck. And I'm going to look and at my every friend. every other player yes. should do the same. Yeah. Like, it just, we have the ability to easily self-regulate. One, talk to each other. The people you're playing with probably aren't douchebags. Two, if they are douchebags, you should reconsider playing with them. Three, if you can't, Three of you can beat one of them. I almost promise. Not always, but almost promise. So, well, and if that's the case, the problem probably isn't Golos. Yeah, like it's just it's like not necessarily the other three players. But if if three people with dedicated that are dedicated to killing one person can't beat that one person enough that it's not a problem then their deck disparity is the problem. Yeah. It's not Golos. It's their, he's playing an eight and they're playing fours. Yep. And that's not good. And again, enough. that's another example of one, talk to him. If he still says fuck off, leave. If you can't, build a better deck. I don't know. But like, th this is a problem that you need to solve in-house. Like, you're never, I, well, I shouldn't say never. I think you're going to have a very hard time having fun playing level fours against level eight 
we, you have to meet in the middle somewhere or find a new group or you got to do something. I don't think banning cards is the right solution. Banning cards with no data, I don't think can ever be the right solution. Running more removal is probably the solution. There have been games where Matt resolves contamination on turn three because he had Bitter Blossom on turn two. No one had a kill spell. No one had enchantment removal and no one had a counter spell and we lost. That's happened once. Right. You know what? It didn't happen enough times that we thought he should ban that card out of his deck. I, yep. I feel very strongly about this. It makes me very upset. And it's not, it's like I said, I didn't lose money on this. It is the principle. Neither one of us have Golos. No, it's just, it's the principle. And it's this, so I looked it up. As bannings become more prevalent, they will become more prevalent. Yeah, they snowball. Exactly. Because we're more okay with banning. So this, I'm going to, I'm going to pull up standard. Standard is for the majority of Magic's history, the premier format. Obviously it's EDH now, but we're going to look at standard. Um, this article was written in 2015, so I don't know when the most most recent ban was or the the first banning that happened. Do you know the last time we had a ban before it would have been? I think Eldraine was the first time we saw a card banned in Standard. Bef- since Jace the Mind Sculptor got banned in Standard, you were there. You might remember. Well, there was Kaladesh had a couple. Oh, yeah, Cal. They had like uh, you're right. Etherworks Marvel ban. Sorry, Kaladesh had that was before I was up to 2015. So that was but that would have, I think it was 2017, yeah, it, it 2018. Basically went from Marodin with the you know I think eight or nine eight to ten cards if you count the artifact lands as individual cards. Yeah, we saw um, the lands vault uh, um, Arcbound Ravenger and Disciple of the Vault in yep. March of 20, 2005. And then the next one was probably the World Wake stuff with like Jace and Stoneforge. Yeah, in 2011, Ball Blade basically running around in standard. Yeah, they they accelerate. Yeah, greatly because, like I discussed earlier, the ones the distance from before Marodin was all the way back to Urza Saga. Now, don't get me wrong; there were plenty of cards banned from Urza Saga. It, yeah, basically, Saga and Marodin were big mistakes in design, where they just underestimated the power of individual things. The problem is, Wizards keeps making making the same mistakes. So free mana and free cards are nine times out of 10 what gets cards banned. And that was both times what got the cards banned. 2017, we see Emrakul and Smothers Copter. So 2017, our bans picked back up. Yeah. So, you know, 2005, 2011, 2017, and then we hit 2020 and it's just ban, 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 ban. And what that does is there was this huge shock factor. If you were in the world of magic, when they started banning Oko, Veil of Summer, Once Upon a Time. People lost their mind because we just, this, all these bans were crazy. And now um, Rules Committee comes out with a out of the blue ban on Tuesday. No one even really bats an eye at it. It's just a thing. Because we've become so desensitized to bannings, now it's just okay. And again, Wizards used to put out announcements. This is kind of weird to people. Wizards religiously put out an announcement, sometimes two weeks or a week before the announcement of the banning. So they would say like, hey, next week, we're going to have an announcement. That announcement was next week, we're going to announce bannings. And now we've seen, I think, more than once where they come out and it's like, hey, guys, it's Tuesday. We're banning to Fairy Time Raveler. And people are just okay with that because bannings are just at the forefront of our minds. It's, it's just what we do now. And that makes banning Golos in Commander on a Tuesday or whatever day it was just okay. I fight against these. I don't think we should do, I don't think we should treat bands with such a cavalier mentality. I think they should be a huge world shaking thing. And they're not, we just do them. 
We take money out of people's pockets. We ruin people's decks. We ruin people's days. I hate it. I hate bans. I hate I hate frivolous bans like this. Yep. Some cards need banned. Sure. This is not one of them. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I know. The funny thing is, the rules committee, I mean, they come out and say, hey, we're banning stuff for low power level decks. Okay. People playing low power level decks don't have any idea who the rules committee no is. No kidding. People who play high powered decks don't have any issue with Golos. He's not even on their freaking radar. No. Have I lost games to Golos online? Absolutely. Do I do I shudder when I see Golos across the table? No. It's an artifact. I'm creature. usually relieved because quite frankly, I don't want to sound elitist here. A lot of people aren't very good at EDH. It's nice to see when people play strong decks. Yeah. Oh, I've yeah. got most of my decks are built in the six to eight range, and I like to play most of them. Mm-hmm. I like but, playing a little more competitive EDH, and Golos has the potential to be more competitive. And he's very he can be very swingy. He's very random. I, the idea that we're banning this card that is just this huge dose of random, mm-hmm. where it's like, unless you've got some setup, and if you're going to tell me that you think a card needs to be banned because the opponent can use one or two cards to set up a killer combo that also costs seven mana. I don't think they're right. I think I disagree. The idea that he's just flipping three cards, or she, he's just flipping three cards at random, and like, oh my god, he flipped Time Stretch, Expropriate, and World Wake. I can't believe that happened. Yeah, well, Narset does the same thing. I was going to say, I didn't, I didn't bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> I used to have Did a people Narset forget deck. Narset was a thing? Like, yep. she's like, four, isn't she four mana? Uh, She's six. She's six mana. But, I mean, you build the whole deck around yeah. casting her. She's six mana. She comes down. She's got uh, Hexproof, so she's a real pain in the butt to kill. And yeah, she attacks and flips three cards. You play them for free. Yep. Like. And in a shocking turn of events, it's usually an extra combat or an extra turn. Uh, that's if you build the deck right. Yeah. It's, it's a, I guess, yeah, she comes down a turn later. Because she uh, well, costs even six that's... and costs five, but but it's what it's the you have to untap. You can't kill her. You can kill Golos. Well, and the the thing is with Narset built properly, she comes down very soon and almost always has haste. Yeah, she can easily come down with haste. <laughs> yeah. Drives me crazy. Like I said, I could have had this entire argument when Hall Breacher got banned. Nobody wanted to listen to it. I think we're in the we're at least in the minority of content creators with this opinion. I don't know if we're in the minority of players. We could be. I'm okay with that. We're definitely the minority of content creators. But I was dying to have this discussion to an audience when Whole Reacher got banned. Nobody wanted to listen to it. People might have tuned out 10 minutes ago and I started talking about it. Next week, we'll talk about something different, yeah. I promise. We'll basically leave you with this. Look at the ban list and then look what's legal. And you'll see stuff like Golos, Whole Breacher, Prophet of Graphics. Those are legal cards. Uh, or it, Those are banned those are cards. Banned. Uh Soul Ring, Mana Crypt, Demonic Tutor, Vampiric Tutor, Necropotence, Demonic Consultation, Thassa's Oracle, I mean, so, <laughs> Demighton Tutor, Mystical Tutor. I'll tell you what. Time Twister. If we're going to talk about cards that are banned, like what, what constitutes being on the ban list? This is the card that I always show people when I say the ban list is a joke and it's ridiculous what's on there for EDH. A card called Coalition Victory. Yep. It is um, the card that is a joke. I will read it. Coalition Victory. It costs... Three Wooberg. Wooberg is it costs a white, a blue, a black, a red, and a green. So that's eight mana total, one of each color. Sorcery. You win the game if you control a land of each basic land type and a creature of each color. Yep. So when this spell resolves, if you meet all of that criteria and you could spend eight mana on it, you win the game. 
too good. Banned. Yep. It's at least a, what, four-card combo? Because you have Coalition Victory. It would take at least two Triomes to get all five basic land types and yep. a creature. So it's a four-card combo that costs eight mana minimum. If the creature you had is all colors. Correct. And typically speaking, that would be your commander. Like if you were going with the, like if I was going to build a Coalition Victory deck, I'd have a five-color commander. Obviously. So, like I would probably use like Sliver uh, Hive Lord, the one that makes them indestructible. Yeah. So so you have a indestructible five-color creature to make it as difficult as possible to remove. Yep. You got Coalition Victory. You've got some Triomes or some Dual Lands. Yeah. And then maybe. So again, best case scenario, it's an eight mana for Coalition Victory, another five for your creature. Yeah. So depending on how you want to count that, either eight or 13 mana, four-card combo, and it's sitting on the ban list. And again, if any of that is not there when it resolves, it doesn't do anything. Coalition Victory, Swords to Plowshares. Wasteland. Right. Like, I can hold up a Coalition Victory deck the whole time with one Wasteland. Yep. Or one Strip Mine. So, that's all it takes. Again, that's but, what I... And then the funny thing is, this will tell you how inconsistent that the ban list is. Worldfire was supposedly on the ban list for the same reasons that Coalition Victory is. Because it's one of those spells where it forces people to play blue or they lose. Because, which isn't even necessarily true with Coalition Victory, mm -hmm. as we discussed. I see, yeah. But it's a sorcery, so it's like the... The first thing that pops into people's head is going counterspell, right? That's, yeah, two mana counterspell. Worldfire is, it, it's on the ban list for the exact same reasons. So, <laughs> that one yeah, comes off. Coalition so, Victory's on there. You know, mana Crypt's not on there. If Soul this, Ring's not if on this there. gets you to go and look at the EDH ban list, the official ban list, I think you'll see some cards that you agree personally should be banned. There are some cards on there I'm okay with being banned. It's fine, sure. But I think they're the vast majority of cards. If you look them up and read them, I think you'll say out loud, why is this banned? Right. And then the funny thing is, there's also cards that you would think would be on the ban list given their goals. So, like, the goal is to make casual magic fun, right? Yeah. Does Armageddon strike you as a particularly fun casual card? Two white, white, destroy all lands. It's three generic and a white. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Three and a white. Gotcha. Yeah, three and a white. But yeah, destroy all lands. And there's Ravages of War from Portal, which is the same card. But yeah, I mean, there's there's Catastrophe. Like, there are there Cataclysm. I mean, you know what's legal? Contamination. Winter Orb. Static Winter Orb. Orb, yeah. Like, the idea that we ban... It's, it's just, it's so arbitrary. And I just don't like how yeah. arbitrary My it is. My theory is that whoever Sheldon played last week beat him with a Golo deck, and so... It's not that simple, but prove me wrong. Like we Wait, just talk, we're yeah. just talking about like this is the problem. I can tell you exactly why every card Wizards of the Coast has ever been banned. They tell you mean, me. Like, you mean like I need it? You mean like for legacy? For or, legacy? For yeah. modern? For standard? Yeah. And the funny thing is, if you go back and look, the data backs them up almost every time for at least the criteria they set at the time. Correct. Yeah. So. You're looking at it and you're like, yeah, I kind of see why the artifact lands were banned in standard in Marodin. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. But cool. the rule, the rules Checks committee out. comes out and says the criteria we're banning this on is people don't like it. Yeah, and who who's people? Seriously? So they have they have a few people because it's well, not just the rules committee because they've kind of extended their yeah they have a they've they got some tendrils and some other uh, committees or people or whatever. I think they have the people from the guys from the command zone. I thought it was the knights one, the more casual one. I could be wrong. You game can. nights is command zone. The different people though that play. Nope. It. They bring two people on. Nope. It's the same two. I can't think of their names right now. Otherwise I'd say them. Gotcha. The command zone podcast slash YouTube channel. They host game nights. Oh, never mind. Sorry. I, in my head, I was thinking commander versus. 
Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yes, yes Commander yes. versus. I watched a ton of. I sit games. down and watch today. Yeah, uh, Parnell and all those guys are just amazing. But, yeah, they've expanded out and they've got more people. They have a Discord. I saw a, a Reddit post. Someone had they had done a word search and they said that like either right before or as it was banned, Golos was the highest pinged legendary creature on there at like 2,097 instances of the word being said. Golos, Tyler's Pilgrim. But like that is the and again, he wasn't he wasn't putting this up as like an excuse or like, yeah. oh, this is why just this like this odd correlation. And that's the I mean, obviously, he I think he or she was of this opinion. That's the dumbest thing you could ever be like, well, this card's getting banned because people are saying the name a lot. Well, the the conclusion they're drawing there is people are saying it a lot. So people are playing it a lot. And that's not a reason to ban anything. It's not plain and simple. I disagree. Yeah, I disagree with the, yeah, the premise that yeah, if everyone likes playing Thrasios, well, go ban Thrasios. Yeah, that's not how that works. Out of a casual format where you can just ask that's the person to play it. not even a good justification it. in a competitive format. It You have to, like, if everyone just loves playing elves, but elves isn't actually that good, it doesn't mean you ban elves. It means elves is a lot of fun, and hey, maybe you should look at the design of elves and see what's so attractive yeah. about it. So, And that's I, the same thing here. I think we're, I think we're, gonna, I think we're talking in circles. We're trying to repeat ourselves. I think we've said most of what we want to say on this. You know, if more bannings happen, we'll talk about them as they happen. I don't want to dredge on this every other week or whatever. Yeah. This is a really comprehensive list, I think, of how we feel. I think I'm ready to roll us into the ending. You ready to wrap this up, Matt? Yeah, I got nothing else. So if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, if you want to tell us we're wrong about our ban opinions, if you want to tell us we're right, if you want to ask us questions about stuff, hit us up, send us an email, cantripcartel at gmail.com. We will happily read any email on air if you ask. If you don't, we'll answer it privately. We'll answer it publicly. Feel free to check out our Facebook group at Cantrip Cartel. Check out the Planeswalkers podcast. They record live on Monday nights on Twitch. They put it up every when, uh, every Tuesday. They record on Twitch Commander Craft every Wednesday. Really cool group of guys. Aramis and Will talk about Standard and EDH every week. I watch it every week. I think you should too. They We are uh, part of their Planeswalkers podcasting network, and we're super happy they brought us under their umbrella. Yeah, check us out on their Discord. We've got a channel. Yes, on there. I forget how yeah, we have a on their Discord. We have a channel just for us where we talk about spoilers. And I talked about this. Obviously, we talk about whatever we want. Is there anything else you want to bring up today, Matt? No, I think I'm good. Well, I think we're gonna wrap this up. And I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Yep. Have a nice night, guys. Oh, uh, before we go to upkeep. <laughs>